0: Welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to two thousand dollars. It's a White Sox winner here in the CHGO White Sox post game show. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at sean underscore w underscore Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is the CHGO White Sox community leader Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at ecknerwall 23 Follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. It's a 3-1 to one winner. Herb Lawrence, how'd that one feel for you?
1: Felt great because of how hard the Boston Red Sox were hitting and how many base runners they were getting off of Giolito early in the game. And I said, okay, this guy doesn't have his best stuff but he's battling through and our team can't hit with a damn versus Rich Hill. So to get a victory out of all that that started before the fifth inning feels awesome, feels great. And it's another three-run victory for the White Sox, where
0: another victory where they score three runs and get the win. Uh, this is from the great Chris Kamka at uh, cKamka on Twitter. Uh, White Sox win three-one. It's the twenty-fifth time out of forty-three games scoring three or fewer uh, oh. games with three or four three or fewer runs scored. This season, White Sox are 11 and 14 in those games. The rest of the MLB is 139 and 469. (laughs) The White Sox have a win percentage of in games where they score three runs or fewer of 44%. The rest of the MLB, 22.9.
1: That's amazing. I mean, that's not ideal. You don't want to continue to do that, but you know that starting pitchers are going to give you a chance to win every most every game. All you need to do is give them four runs and three runs. You're winning eleven out of what twenty five? Jesus, that's way too much. That's that's how uh, teams are resilient. That's how championship teams are uh, win games when you don't have a lot, especially with the offense. And then you can squeak by because your pitching is just so superior. And defense, we get on defense enough here, but the pirouette throw by Tim Anderson. In, in I eighth, think in the eighth yep. inning off of uh, Kendall Graveman uh, was pitching at that time. Or no, it was Liam Hendricks pitching at that time. And then also, you want Mankata to start the ninth inning. Mercy. He Let's had a double go. play as
0: well, I think, in like to, to end the fifth inning or something like that. Uh, ball hit down the line. He steps on third. Uh, double clutched it. I think Story was running up the line. Uh, but still got a nice clean throw off. Uh, very nice defensive game. Andrew Vaughn was diving out in right field. My heart dropped to my feet when he did that but he got up which was the good thing uh so a very great defensive effort from the white Sox, and, and yeah that's i mean and part of the reason why they won today great pitching
1: and great defense and the end of the game that kind of scared me i know all white Sox fans are kind of holding their breath where josh harrison from second base is sprinting out to the right field where i think andrew vaughn is calmly camped underneath the ball and josh like kind of runs into andrew vaughn while he catches the ball, that ball, as of course, is the outfielder's ball, even though Andrew Vaughn is not a seasoned outfielder, he knows that he was in the right there. And they collided a little bit, and then Josh tried to make up by trying to hug Andrew. And Andrew didn't look like he was having any of that. He's like, Hey, man, come on now. I got, I know I'm not the greatest outfielder, but I can catch a pop fly, brother. Don't be coming out here sprinting and uh, causing commotion. Luckily, he, he sealed the victory got the win, and uh, we don't need that more from Josh Harrison. We need him to calm the hell down when he's out there and then he's running into outfield because they collided back in the day in Cleveland, and that took uh, Josh Harrison a couple days on the IL for him when he got a shoulder problem.
0: And uh, I just saw a video of it, too, uh, of, of the replay. Uh, Patrick Nolan posted it, and there is no calling of the ball by Andrew Vaughn. So I think that's part of it, too. It didn't look like Josh Harrison had a call uh, to be called off of. So I, I really don't think that was good communication by Andrew Vaughn. And it's just another play where, you know, he, he's not a defender. He's not a, he's not an outfielder. And I think we just see that each and each game uh, we see Andrew Vaughn out in the outfield. We got our guy, Eli Stein, hanging out in the chat. He Sox burger win. Uh, Neil says, pitching is helpful. Ain't that the truth? Fred says, Rich Hill was throwing up meatballs up there, and the Sox decided to hit them into the dirt over and over again. Uh, yeah, they really didn't have a plan, and we'll get into that a little bit more. And Greg uh, from CHGO Blackhawks is hanging out. He says, hello, boys. Um, and hey, Joe asks, uh, are White Sox fans allowed to have easy, carefree wins? Uh, They're no. not, Herb. Uh, Again, uh, 11 and 14 in games where they scored three runs or less. Uh, It it was pretty just insufferable to watch the first four innings. And and thankfully there was that fifth inning. Uh, But you look outside of the fifth inning, uh, you know, you look through innings, what, one through four and then innings six through nine or six through eight. uh, No runs in those innings. So another frustrating game offensively for the Sox. Thankfully, Jake Berger was there to save the day. But uh, outside of that. A frustrating game to watch again for the White Sox offense.
1: Yeah, I don't know what their plan was versus Rich Hill. He was throwing those lollipops up there, and it's probably tough. I mean, Tim struck out on the third pitch that was thrown to him. It was pretty much like a gotcha pitch because Tim's probably looking for something slow, and he throws an 89-mile-per-hour dotted fastball chest high that got him in the first inning. So, yeah, that was not a a poor bat. It was just a, a bat that he wasn't waiting for or wasn't ready for. I just think that Rich Hill is a kind of a, a weird pitcher to get ready for because his slow, slow, and then slowest pitches are, like, off Major League radars. And then he does a good job of dotting and using the ball on both sides, getting the eye levels on the top of the zone and the bottom of the zone. And that curveball, man, I mean, that's a thing to see. It looks like a lollipop, and you think you should be able to hit that hard. But we saw he was inducing a lot of soft contact, for the White Sox because they were in between his 89-mile-per-hour fastball and his, like, 75-mile-per-hour curveball. And it was really impressive to see just because he's 42 years old. I know people
0: are like, oh, man, that's Rich Hill going up there. And, and you know, he's 40 years old throwing up and, and, and just confusing White Sox hitters. But he's just doing his job. And and that's, you know, part of the game that I love or part of the, the reason I love baseball is, you know, Rich Hill was bounced out of baseball and then figured out a way to stick and keep the dream alive. Uh, that was really damn cool to see. So uh, I, I just like seeing Rich Hill succeed. And you can see, you know, I mean, Dallas Keuchel, uh, you don't need to have that crazy stuff to, you know, Dominate or, or have good outings. We've seen Johnny Cueto, his past two outings. Uh, that's been really cool to see. And then, kind of, these older guys, Adam Wainwright, have that success just because that command's still there. You don't need to have 99 to be blowing people out of the water. And uh, an old friend, Herb uh, King E. Uh, showing up in the comments so i want to give a shout out to him and he's still spelling my name wrong uh but i appreciate him uh because i still know uh, him back from the days uh so that's good to see king he's showing up uh spelling it s-h-a-w-n uh the correct we gotta, way yeah you know, it's it's all up uh let's go to rich hill you mentioned the uh the strikeout of tim anderson in the first at bat it was the first time anderson struck out looking all season he struck out looking 11 times in 2019 and 12 times in 2021 that's from james vegan at that's also only the third time uh, this year in 28 plate appearances. Uh, this is from Alex Spire of uh, the Boston Globe uh, where he struck out against lefties. So, I mean, this is a very rare occurrence to see Tim Anderson striking out. And it's just really, you know, the Rich Hill special uh, using great command uh, fastball right down the middle to open up the, the, the plate appearance. Then he goes curveball on the outside. Then he goes curveball low, gets Tim in an 0-2 count, and then just dots a fastball, like you said. Inner corner on the plate. And that's Rich Hill's success is his ability just to locate. Um, And you can hear him just like Liam Hendricks swearing at himself when he has a bad pitch. I mean, this is a guy that has been pitching, uh, as we talked about it in the pregame, for over 20 years at the professional level. uh, Only six active players still in the major leagues from the 2022 draft. Rich Hill is one of them. Uh, and just proving that, you know, you don't need to have that crazy overpowering stuff. You just need a couple funky arm angles uh, and the ability to locate a curveball as a lefty. And uh, it, it was really fun stuff to see in the first four innings. And I thought we were going to get a repeat of his uh, his game when he was a Dodger out in Pittsburgh where he uh, took a no hitter into the 10th inning. Josh Harrison broke that one up. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was real impressive.
1: Yeah, he gave up two hits, the uh, double by Jose Abreu Lee off the fifth and the, the rocket home run by Jake Berger. Uh, that was the hardest hit ball of the evening. So you take that as a Boston fan. If you love uh, the team of the Red Sox, you'll take what Rich Hill gave you today. He was throwing no hit ball and it was, uh, I think, up until the fourth inning had faced the minimum when, when he uh, walked. Reese McGuire got the G.I.D.P. immediately from Harrison, who I think only saw three pitches the whole goddamn game. Like, <laughs> take a pitch, brother. I know he went one for three, got that single at the last at-bat, but calm down, take a pitch, enjoy the game, <laughs> ingest it a little bit. But three pitches and three at-bats, that's a little too much. But, yeah, Rich Hill with an awesome, awesome uh, performance there. His uh, his stuff was good. He only had one strikeout, which was the first one we, sh- we showed you on the board right there. But the White Sox were not hitting him hard, we're not seeing him in, except for that Jose Abreu. Rocket double and then the home run by Jake Berger. So you'll take that. And I was so frustrated that we're getting anything off of him. There was got to be something else. Like he, when he walked Reese McGuire, I was like, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. And then of course the next pitch, you got to know if you're Josh Harrison and you were right in the pregame, to the note that Josh Harrison is the one who broke up his no hitter back in the day in extra innings when uh, Hill was a Dodger and Harrison was a pirate. But he's got to know that Rich Hill's a veteran and he got to know that he just walked a guy. So take a pitch. Maybe also, he's going to get you to try to induce you to what he did a GIDP. Take a pitch, enjoy the game, see what he's going to be offering and then do what you did in the eighth inning. Take the ball the other way, serve it instead of just grounding it right to what Rich Hill wants to do. It just the game plan right there. I just don't understand it. He was rolling to that point and Josh Harrison just allows him to do what he wanted to do right there. But, yeah, Rich, I got to tip the cap. He was pretty good.
0: Yeah. We got a better guy. Yeah, very good. We, we did have the better guy today. Let's just uh, talk a little bit more about Rich Hill before we go into uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, let's look at the balls in play and how he had it working today. And, and also you, you can look to uh, there's the, the we have another one, too, about the uh, exit velocities. I want to look at this one first, just the, the pitching map. Uh, we'll, we'll go to look at the pitching map first. There it is. Uh, you can see the White Sox. I mean, for the most part, they were pretty good at attacking pitches in the zone. Um, and that's what Rich Hill wanted him to do. Uh, you know, I mean, he was getting called strikes consistently, I think, through the first like nine batters He had a a first pitch strike, Uh, so he was getting ahead in counts, and he was consistently just making sure that contact was being made by the Sox in the zone and poorly. And let's go now to the uh, exit velocities and all this stuff. Only two balls hit over 95 miles per hour for the Sox. Yon Moncada had a ground out, and this is just against Rich Hill. Uh, Yon Moncada had a 99-mile-per-hour ground out against Rich Hill in the first inning. And then the fifth inning, Jake Berger hit his 110-mile-per-hour home run off a 67-mile-per-hour Rich Hill (laughs) slider. So that was fun to see. But, yeah, it's just frustrating. And, you know, this is another instance of a veteran – having their way with the White Sox lineup. And that's why I worry tomorrow about Michael Waka going up against the White Sox, a right-handed pitcher who is a veteran that knows how to locate first pitch strikes and knows that this is an overaggressive team. And I'm happy to see that all the balls that they're swinging at and putting in play against Ridge Hill are in the actual zone. They're not expanding that zone, uh, but it's not a real designated zone that they're attacking, uh, right? It's it's all over that strike zone and they're, they're expanding a little bit. So it's not the most patient approach from the White Sox. Uh, only one K uh, for Ridge Hill today against the White Sox, uh, but also only one walk and two walks in the game uh, in total. That's the 26th game this year uh that they've had two or less walks so i mean that's that's pretty rough over half of your games you've had less than two walks
1: yeah it's kind of bad like scoring three runs and this is a victory so we're happy but scoring three runs only getting five hits in a major league baseball game is not acceptable this is not what the white Sox were built on this team should be hitting more than they hit and if you can't hit rich hill then how do you expect to hit Garrett Cole? How do you expect to hit Justin Verlander and all the rest of the top pitchers in the American League? These guys, you should be able to get a little bit more hits or walks. One of the two things, he wasn't striking out a ton, as Sean said, the, only that one strikeout to Tim Anderson, and he wasn't walking anybody. He only walked one guy, the Reese McGuire walk. So there's got to be a better game plan because it seemed like, and I don't know what's happened, Yohan Mankata. I do not know we'll what's talk happening. talk about it. Yeah. He is just so frustrating right now. The glove plays still, but the bat and like the misses, two strikeouts today, just lost for Tanner Houck. Lost completely. But the White Sox offense needs a better game plan. They need something that is different than what they've been doing because they've been averaging three and a half runs for this season. Scoring three today, I didn't think was going to get the job done. The only reason we won. Because number 27's out there doing the damn thing, well,
0: and we got Vinnie Duber uh going to join us from Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, final thing on Rich Hill uh, there is a Jake Berger thing of balls in play, and just the Jake Berger at bat, he ends up hitting a 67 mile per hour slider out 110 miles per hour. Um, and the thing is, too, you know, the second pitch of the at bat, 67 mile per hour slider, uh, low and in the side, uh, and then third pitch, same exact spot, same exact pitch. Jake Berger hit a mistake, and and that's exactly what the White Sox needed, uh, and it put them over the top. So I mean that's that they, they're going to be happy with that uh, at the end of the day that they hit one mistake, and it was luckily uh, two guys on uh, to give them the three to one win. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk free bets up to two thousand dollars. That's not it. If you make a fifty dollar or more first time deposit, you receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's two thousand dollars in free bets a free chgo membership and a free t-shirt from chgo locker all for making more than a fifty dollar first time deposit at points bet if you have any questions you can email points bet at all chgo.com and we can help you out i could show off a shirt right now look at this my chgo pocket flag shirt it's mm-hmm. real nice it's real cozy i recommend you picking one up and this is a fantastic fantastic deal if you want to help support CHGO. Online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the Points Bet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. Again, use code CHGO when you sign up. And if you use, uh, if you deposit $50 or more your first time depositing with Points Bet using code CHGO, you'll get $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t shirt from the CHGO locker. So, what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet, live your bet life with Points Bet. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. And our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking agey ones because I started this job and I started a full-time job. I need to start waking up, having a routine each and every morning. And I wake up to this great product that doesn't taste super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I look forward to each and every morning. With one delicious scoop of AG1, I absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods or superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help me start my day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that help support my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, my energy, my ability to recover, my ability to focus, and my aging process. Let's slow down uh, this aging process. 24-year-old. Important things. Uh, It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto Friendly, paleo, p- paleo friendly, vegan dairy-free or gluten-free and athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews 7,002 uh, with urbanized five-star review of athletic greens right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water each and every day that's it no need for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a one year free of immune supporting vitamin D and five free t- travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreenscom chgo socks. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O-S-O-X to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, Vinny. Hey, so I was gonna come on here and and question why Herb was so sullen.
2: Uh, I thought maybe I was watching a different game that the White Sox didn't win. But uh, I instead am going to call out Herb for being Herbie Larusa again with his phone going off during the ad read because Uh. what was Tony doing? What was Tony's phone doing the entire time we were talking to him after the game tonight going off? I'm sure you know. I'm. You're going to see it all over Twitter. I would imagine NBC Sports will will blast it out. Tony answering his phone during the press conference and saying he's got to call call the person back. But uh, you know, so there's a viral moment waiting to happen. But there you oh, go, man. Herbie Larusa.
1: That's that's why we are we clash because we're too much alike, <laughs> old men. Can't turn their phones off during the interviews. <laughs> and
0: that's why I would call you Uncle Herb. And uh, so, I mean, what was the the the, the action there? I mean, can kind of take us through here. I mean, you, you ask a question, and then you know Tony gets a phone call. There's no rule here. You know, phones off when you walk into the uh, the media room. Well,
2: so you know, let's just put it this way not not to not to say that it's a good thing or a bad thing or whatever, but we have grown accustomed to what tony's text tone is so we heard that a couple times uh and then he actually it actually rang we got to hear his ringtone again another you know whatever comes on your iphone kind of thing but uh yeah and he, ans- he answered the phone in the middle of the uh of the middle of the game presser and just said you know gonna have to call you right back and
0: he was right I can't wait to see this. That's, that's great. All right. Well then uh, talking about Tony, uh, what do you think of his team's effort? Uh, Obviously a big fifth inning with a Jake Berger home run, uh, but no runs uh, in, you know, innings one through four and and six through eight. Uh, What do you think of his team's offensive effort tonight?
2: I mean, he, he complimented Jake Berger, you know,
0: and, I'm, and that's, that's really about
2: it. Uh, you know, he was very happy with the pitching. He he, he kept talking about Lucas, obviously, but the bullpen, too. used the term clutch, clutch pitches, and I think that really was kind of a constant need for the White Sox tonight with so many guys on base for Boston. Uh, you know, you didn't only see it from from Lucas. You saw it over and over again from Lucas, but you, but you got to see it from the bullpen, too, too. Um, Uh, you know, Kendall Graveman, I I think of him coming in there in relief of, of Aaron Bummer. And then obviously what Liam Hendricks did in relief of, uh, of um, Joe Kelly there in the eighth inning. So yeah. Um, Yeah. Clutch pitching and, and listen, that's what gets it done. And, and, and you know, Herb, I think when I turned it on, you go, you know, three runs, five hits that that's not going to cut it. Yeah. A lot of nights it's not, but, a lot of nights it will, and, and and when you get the pitching that the White Sox got tonight, not necessarily the you know um, overpowering stuff, you know the the kind of you know million strikeouts that we've come accustomed to seeing from some of these guys, Lucas Giolito included, uh, but. Effective pitching, pitching that got the job done, even if it wasn't so pretty, uh, and and that's what you got from the White Sox tonight to hold this red hot Red Sox team to only one run over nine innings. Uh, uh, a big deal, I think, and 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 that's uh, that's worth complimenting for for this staff.
1: Yeah, it's huge that uh, Lucas Giolito did what he did. He had a uh, multiple runners on all four of the first innings, and so him to w- wiggle out that with only one run scored was amazing. Did he talk about his stuff and his command and control? Because it seemed like he didn't have it, but still, he's Lucas Giolito, and he finds a way to get the job done eventually.
2: Yeah, he said he didn't have it pretty much from the get go, and and I think he said at one point he didn't even know where his fastball was going to go. That's how bad it was tonight uh, for him, or, or I shouldn't say bad. I should just say unusual, uh, you know, atypical, um, that kind of thing. But uh, he, you know, he was happy with the results, obviously, but he was treating it as a night when, man, he didn't you know, didn't get what he wanted to get. And, uh, you know, it's almost interesting because a night like tonight, uh, you you know, you see guys get complimented usually. It's like, oh, man, he didn't have his stuff, but he was able to only allow one run. He was able to make it six innings despite the high pitch count early. Uh, And and I think that there was definitely some pride in being able to make some of the pitches that he did make. But, you know, these guys, especially the younger guys, are very – Everything has to work. It's about, uh, you know, executing pitches uh, every single time and stuff like that. And very clearly, he he wasn't able to do that tonight. But the results were the same as we've seen on nights when he was able to do that. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that he said was, you know, a few years ago, back when he was the worst Pitcher in baseball, uh, it, it wouldn't necessarily have, uh, have turned out the way it did tonight. It could have snowballed on him pretty easily, but he has since left those days behind and he is able to do what he did tonight, which is very impressive in its own right, even if it's not something maybe that he's going to be putting uh, on his personal highlight reel.
0: Yeah, I mean, the worst pitcher in baseball when he was that didn't have this slider. Uh, nine whiffs on his slider tonight. I don't know if he mentioned uh, just the help that that pitch gave him because obviously the fastball wasn't there. He was having a tough time locating that, but it felt like the slider was working for him. Did he mention anything about that?
2: It's You know, it's something that, we, that we've seen over the course of, of his career and something that, you know, adding pitches, refining pitches, making his arsenal more unpredictable or, or, or maybe not not necessarily unpredictable, but just, you know, tougher to hit. Uh, and, and I think that that, you know, we always talk about going from a thrower to going to a pitcher. Uh, that's something that not, it, you know, it needs to click at one point, but it's not necessarily something that stops. And, and I think that, you know, a guy like Lucas is, is a great example of that development keep going, you know, even once you figure it out, even once you make the all-star team, it's not just, all right, and that's the guy you're going to be forever. You can, conti- you can keep developing, continue to kind of uh, refine that arsenal, refine that whole, um, you know, that whole pitching thing that you got going on and uh, become even more effective or differently effective than you were the year before, which obviously makes it tougher for, for opposing hitters to figure you out. So, uh, you know, we, we're, we're, in the pro- we're in the midst right now of maybe Dylan Cease taken off in that way or Michael Kopeck in the early stages of that development. Uh, you know, it, it's not something that's just like, all right, the, the, you're done cooking in the minor leagues, come on up and be the guy you're going to be for the next 15 years. Uh, it's, it's a continued process and, and it works to their advantage. And you're seeing that from Lucas.
1: We saw Joe Kelly leave the game. Uh, very, very, very sad to see because it just came back from the IL any update on what Joe Kelly is uh, suffering from right now. No update
2: yet. Uh, I would expect that tomorrow after he gets reevaluated. Um, it, it it didn't look great. Uh, I can say that. Um, you know, coming off the mound and making some faces and, and walking gingerly. That's not something you ever want to see. Mm-hmm. Tony was asked about it after the game and kind of joked, Oh man, you're raining on my parade or, or, or you know, not, not, not necessarily the reporter asking the question, but just the situation, uh, raining on the parade, uh, of a win tonight and of Joe, like you mentioned, kind of getting into, getting into the, the rhythm a little bit, like he was trying to do after coming off the IL. So, uh, we'll see, um, but you know, there, there's a reason that, that back end of that bullpen has as many arms as it does, and it's to, to kind of weather things like uh, like this that, uh, that that might that might happen with with Kelly. But like you said, uh, we'll see tomorrow.
0: And you were able to talk to Rick Han on Monday and we talked a little bit about it after last night's game, uh, but you just wrote a piece on allchgo.com. You could become a member at all to read Vinny's great work. And you talked to Rick Han and he mentioned that, you know, they have a, an embarrassment of riches uh, at the pitching depth with, you know, Michael Kopech uh, w- with his current, you know, uh, performance. He's been great. Johnny Cueto, Dallas Keuchel, Vince Velasquez. Um, and, and right now the Lopez now pumping a hundred out of the bullpen. Um What is the depth like or or how do they view their depth? Because obviously Joe Kelly would be a huge loss for them. But I think that we can look, you know, Matt Foster's been good in high leverage roles. Kendall Graveman's been good in high leverage roles. Liam Hendricks has been good in uh, high leverage roles. So it's not the biggest blow if Joe Kelly goes down. How do they view uh, their, their pitching depth?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's you do it on a couple different fronts, right? Because there is the starting pitching depth and then you've you, what you've got in the bullpen, obviously. The, the pitching has been generally great for this White Sox team this year. I, I don't think really anybody can complain much outside of maybe, you know, Dallas Keuchel, you know, not necessarily um, bouncing back the way he would have liked or the team would have liked. Outside of that, you really can't complain about much uh, with what this pitching staff has done, either in the rotation or in the bullpen. Um, I think the rotation uh, is, is very interesting at the the moment you know you've got Michael Kopech out there dominating I mean guys the numbers say he's one of the best starting pitchers in baseball right now and I don't know if any of us expected that to be the case when the season started but you you know there was so much focus on that workload management plan and you're seeing it in action right I mean the way that this uh that the probables are lined up the earliest he'll pitch again is next Tuesday in, in Toronto and so that'd be eight days between starts uh, I mean that's not something you generally see from a guy who is just Cooking at the moment, um, but this is how they're going to do this. It, it's not a thing where it's like, all right, the watch says Michael Kopech has to come out after five because we've only got X innings left on the on the uh, you know on the calendar for him this year. It's very much going to be a go with the flow kind of thing. And if he's going to be out there dominating the Yankees for for seven innings, they got to keep him in for seven innings. Um, they've got to do something else to to kind of make up for that. And that's what I think you're going to see. Um, and that is one way in which this thing is going to be interesting for a while. Lance Lynn is probably not going to be back for until mid June. It looks like, and that's not a setback or anything like that. They need to build up his pitch count, three outings probably at the minimum uh, in Charlotte for, for him. And that's going to start this weekend, but that's 15 days, right? I mean, you need the, the the day you start and then the four days of rest after each one. So it's looking maybe June 13th would be maybe the earliest that he would be back. And, and, You know, so when he comes back, what are you going to do? Yeah, Dallas Keuchel is the guy who's not performing right now necessarily, but he comes with a pretty big price tag if you're going to just ask him to go away. Maybe they don't have to do that as soon as the minute Lance Lynn comes back. Maybe they do, but um, those off days and spacing out Kopech and the double headers that are on the schedule, there's a lot of ways that they can utilize this starting staff. And I think that you've got three guys locked in right now. When Lance Lynn comes back, he'll be locked in as well. You got to see if Johnny Cueto keeps this up, but obviously he hasn't done anything to deserve to go anywhere. We've already see, seen uh, Vince Velasquez move to the bullpen, and he was excellent in that role last night. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Uh, and and I, think, uh, I think, you know, Copex dominance, Lance Lynn should be expected to be very, very good when he comes back, just like he was last season. It could be a situation where in spring training, when Lance goes down, we're like, how is this rotation going to survive? They might have, you know, too much good pitching on their hands, and and that's something that, of course, Rick, Tony, Ethan, Katz, they all say it's a good problem to have and and good decisions to have to make.
1: We saw two different uh, approaches today by our Cuban stars. There, are three hitter Yoan Moncada with poor bats pretty much all night long, and then. Awesome at bets by our four-hitter, Jose Abreu. Did Tony speak about the struggles of Yoan Moncada, or just Jose Abreu coming up to being the guy that he usually is at this time of the year?
2: Well, I can say that we've asked uh, Tony about Abreu in, in the recent past when, when Abreu was struggling from a number standpoint. And uh, he said, yeah, he basically, you know, intimated what what everybody knew, which is you don't have to worry about Jose Abreu. Uh, and, And along the way, you could see from Jose that he was hitting the ball pretty well. He was hitting into some bad luck. Um, And now that you've seen him add kind of that patience element, add add the walks to the mix, as he Mm -hmm. said, when we talked to him in Kansas City, that that's helping him out. Um, You know, he's looking like Jose Abreu, which again, it should be no surprise that he was going to end up looking like Jose Abreu. That's the kind of career he's had. Um, As for Moncada, it'll continue to be a story because, yeah, he looks he looks lost. He looks in a big time funk at the plate right now. And uh, as he continues to make good defensive plays, he's making positive contributions to this team, but um, he is expected to be a a hitter in the top half of that lineup, and when the lineup in general is struggling to score runs, even on nights they win, Herb, like you pointed out earlier, um, it it is not good that one of your key guys is, is, is kind of a, you know, a, a hole in that lineup right now. And I think Yasmani Grandal kind of falls into that category as well at the moment he didn't play tonight, but um, they need to reduce the number of guys that you, uh, that, that are in a funk. And, um, you know, right now to have two of your top five hitters in the lineup, you know, one through batting one through five um, it, in, in that way uh, is going to make it even more challenging for them to get out of – to kind of break out offensively, which they haven't been able to do.
0: Yeah, I was quick to uh, kind of crown him and say, oh, he's back, you know, after the two home runs coming up from Charlotte. Uh, it is just been shocking the past nine games with the lack of production. And then here comes Jake Berger coming up and hitting, you know, basically the game winning home run uh, in, in, in you know, not, not basically, but yeah, not, <laughs> not basically uh, hit the game winning home run. Uh, so it is just interesting. I mean, what does Jake Berger uh, give to this team? What does he provide to this team? Because when he's been up here, he's been one of the most productive bats uh, in the Sox lineup.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when everybody's going good, they, he shouldn't be one of the guys that you need to call on for regular playing time. But that's the, the value of him as a reserve, is what he's been able to do, which is you point to him, you call his number, and he can come through. And I think that that applies whether he's going to be a part of the reserve unit on the bench here in Chicago, or if he's bouncing back and forth between Chicago and Charlotte, they can make that phone call when they need to when Luis Robert goes on the injured list and say, hey, come on up to be a bat. We're gonna plug you in there one night, and boom, he he can continue, He can contribute in a big time way, like he did this evening. So, uh, the, what Jake Berger brings to the White Sox is a guy that uh, you know doesn't need maybe to settle into a groove or you know get to have so much time to get his rhythm going. And that's a very valuable thing—a bench bat that you can call on and, and and trust that he's going to be able to to put together an at bat and and come through with a big hit. So that's what you saw tonight. Moncada uh is is maybe a little bit of the opposite right and, and and obviously you look at that because he's an everyday guy right but uh he's maybe somebody who you know you need to just kind of weather this weather this storm at the moment because when he's on he can he can produce with the best of them in this lineup so
1: and one thing that Sean and I will never do again is doubt Roger Bossert mercy we look at the radar and we're like nope they're not going to play they're going to have to spend this game Lucas is going to be lost tonight but if you ever see Roger Bosser walk in the halls, tell him that Herb Lawrence apologizes for ever doubting his great powers. But God damn, he, he knew exactly what, how to get this game in in an exact time. He is just an expert. I thought it was hilarious.
2: If you remember last year, uh, uh, Roger was being honored for some number of years of service or some something, one of the many accolades that he's earned in his legendary career. And the White Sox presented him with a golden rake. Uh, yeah, I, I believe actually Tony LaRussa did. It was like, you know, kind no. of a joke award thing though, but he went out there and handed it to him and, and I had completely forgotten about this, I, but th- that happened last season today. I asked Tony, are they going to get the game in By, before the game? I asked him that, and he referred to Roger as golden rake man. And I said, <laughs> and I said, I said, Tony golden rake man is a little clunkier of a nickname than the sod father. So I, I hope that doesn't stick, but no. it is, but it, but it was very funny and had me going back and looking on Twitter to make sure that I remembered what the hell any, any of that was about. But yes, Roger golden rake man bossard, uh, was able to, uh, to get tonight's game in.
0: I just tweeted uh golden rake man and the, the picture of golden rake man with said golden rake. Uh, and it, you, you delivered my friend, uh, but <laughs> you brought up golden rake man, uh, with Tony Larusa and his cell phone going up at the podium, uh, Some people in the chat were talking about Josh Harrison. Uh, You know, he had a single tonight, uh, almost ran into Andrew Vaughn for the final out. Uh, People are, you know, annoyed with maybe the lack of production also coming from second base. Uh, Just talking to uh, Rick recently, any thoughts on, you know, maybe some players that might be coming up? I know Lennon Sosa has been doing well in Birmingham. Uh, I I know that uh, uh, Yelbert Sanchez has been doing well uh, down in Charlotte. Any possibility that we might see a shakeup in Harrison getting off the the, the roster or, or any of these pieces that, uh, you know, veteran pieces uh, being shaken up?
2: I mean, there's no indication that that would happen. I don't think Rick would ever give an indication that that would happen. That's not really his style. But, um, yeah, I think let's put it this way. They're trying to win the World Series. And so if they've got a guy down in the minor leagues that is doing well enough that they believe that he would be a better option than what they've got up here, then, then they're going to do that. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, someone someone who has never played in the major leagues before succeeding in the minor leagues doesn't necessarily equal that they would be automatically better up here than, than what the White Sox have, which is Josh Harrison and, and Larry Garcia. So that doesn't seem to be the most likely course of action, but it certainly does does not preclude that from happening. And, and, you know, one guy keeps going up and one guy keeps going down, then yeah, you're going to very well be able to see that happen. But um, Josh Harrison has a track record. Uh, you know, Larry Garcia has a track record. And and I think that kind of thing uh, speaks well, at least before the trade deadline. Right. And I, and I think um, if this continues all the way into July, that level of production, then yeah, you're going to have to see a shakeup because that's what, you know, your championship hopes are riding on. Are, are those guys being able to produce? And if they have shown over the course of three and a half months, more than half the season, that they're not going to be able to do that, then a shakeup is is not just possible. It's necessary, right? So, um, but man, that's the second time <laughs> that, that Andrew Vaughn has nearly killed Josh Harrison in, right, yeah. in, in the outfield this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know whose fault it is. I would venture to say that the guy who has played infield for the last decade in the major leagues – Probably knows what he's doing out there a little bit more than the guy who just learned how to play outfield last year. But that's just a guess. Uh, again, the, the, it seems like this whole team at times could very well benefit from just louder calling of the ball, right? Just screaming. Just, Thank I you. got it. We need, we need louder, I got it. Is it just me? Does Luis Robert not say, I got it? Is it just implied that he, that he gots it? And so that's why uh, <laughs> he, he's constantly almost crashing into everybody out there?
0: Yeah, I mean, Andrew Vaughn, it looks like he doesn't call it at all. So it looked like just a lack of communication, not even a miscommunication, but a lack of communication. Uh, and when you have, have, it, have that happen uh, like it did in, in Cleveland, uh, it's just tough to see it happen again. Uh, because so. you know, you know who, although tonight we almost saw him run into Jose Abreu, but
2: you know who almost <laughs> never runs into an outfielder is Tim Anderson because he right. always loud. I got it. And I, and I've heard Harrison do the same thing in, in, uh, uh, you know, when you're sitting at the ballpark, I've heard Harrison do the same thing. So, I, I don't know. I think I think that outfield maybe needs to work on work on their vocal skills a little bit more.
1: We'll see. Yeah. That's just Are a we guess. sure that Are we sure that Andrew Vaughn can speak? Because I've never heard him talk. He can talk. He's okay. not.
2: He's not. A, he's a man of few words. Okay. Can he? Can he project?
0: Though? Can he? Can talk? But can he project? I got it.
2: Can he yell? You're saying? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. Maybe his, his, he needs to turn the volume up on the, his personal volume needs to go up.
0: Maybe that's your, your your gig for tomorrow. Uh, Just go and, and just record Andrew Vaughn's best yell. Yeah, Like, Hey Andrew. Yeah. Just give me a quick yell. Five seconds of just yelling into my phone. Uh, California. Cool. That would be yeah. great. That, again, that would be just
2: perfect. That's a lovely thing to do for our podcast listeners is just have right. them pop their headphones in and just then play screaming for them. Yeah. That wouldn't we'll, be bad at all.
0: We'll give them a warning, uh, two more for you and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, Aloy Jimenez, we mentioned, uh, Lance Lynn, possibly, you know, uh, second week of June, third week of June coming back. Aloy Jimenez also, uh, what, what's the timetable for his return?
2: Uh, not a lot of specifics on that, but, when Tony LaRusa outlined that Lance because they're both going to be going down to, to the minors on a rehab assignment at basically the same time. I think Aloy would probably get into a game before Lance would because they're probably going to go four days or five days from the live BP yesterday, but um, they're going to go down there basically the same time. So he outlined that Lance will need, you know, to make three starts, and that will require 15 days, roughly two weeks, right? Uh, and then he basically said, Aloy will need significantly less than that. So, uh maybe you're looking at a week, maybe you know, that would be just a guess, but roughly a week. Um Aloy obviously not in the same boat necessarily as Joan Moncada because Yoan hadn't played at all this season. right Aloy has played, uh so maybe and and also Aloy has been described as just looking fantastic during this whole rehab process. So, maybe he's a little further along than Moncada was when uh, he had to do his rehab assignment coming back from the Oak League.
0: When well, we saw Andrew Vaughn, they were pretty quick to call him up. He played two games, hit two home runs, and then they called him up. Uh, so, so maybe they have a quick trigger with Aloy as well. Final. I'll one. tell you,
2: though, I, I want to see Aloy put on that Charlotte Knights night helmet.
0: Yes. <laughs> he, yes. He's yeah. got to at least clear the fence so he can put that helmet on. Uh, and and, and he, he'll become a new character.
2: He seems like the kind of guy, too, that maybe would just go wear it in the outfield also, mm-hmm. which would also be mm-hmm. wonderful to see.
0: Well, and his favorite movie is The Mask. So that, that works for The Mask. Um, final one. His play. favorite
2: movie is The Mask. Yeah. Amazing.
0: And, Amazing. and just picture Aloy saying, you know, gleefully, his favorite movie is The Mask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fi- final one. I hope you're getting some credits uh, from the White Sox advertising campaign because from allchgo.com, Tim Anderson stands out as a face of baseball from Vinnie Duber filed after Sunday's game. And now they're rolling out the face of baseball campaign for Tim Anderson. Uh, pretty cool to see, uh, that t- today. And, uh, people are gonna be seeing that on the, the billboards, uh, along the I nineties, right? Yeah. I think
2: it said from what's from Bucktown all the way down to the park. So <laughs> that means I'll see every single one of them on my, on my commute every <laughs> single day from, uh, from, from, from the North side to the South side. So there you go. Uh, and then on the L too, I think on all, on all L, L lines. So, uh, if you are commuting to work, whether you're going via via automobile or uh, mass transit, uh, you're going to see a lot of Tim Anderson.
0: And that's not a bad thing. Uh, and we've been seeing a lot of Vinny Duber, which is also not a bad thing. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer, and you can find all of his work at allchgo.com. Thanks, Vinny. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, guys. Have a good night. Peace. See you, Vinny. And if you want to help support CHGO and all of Vinny's great work, you can help us continue to grow by downloading the PointsBet app and using code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. The article where Vinny talks about Tim Anderson becoming the face of baseball that is behind a paywall and members of CHGO get to read that the article Vinny just wrote about Michael Kopech and his fit into the rotation Michael Kopeck, Lance Lynn and what comes next for the White Sox starting rotation you get access to that article when you become a member and again this is the best promo deal we have for you or more for a first-time deposit at PointsBet when you use the code CHGO and it unlocks uh, a free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. Download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up at the Fastest Sportsbook easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem, call 1-900-522-4700. And uh, Sean,
1: have you seen The Mask? No, I have not. I mean, it's an all right movie. It's not Jim Carrey's best movie. If he would have said Mask, you know, the Rocky Dennis movie with uh, Eric Stoltz and Cher, I'd be like, okay, I get it. That's a good movie. The Mask is not a good movie. It's a <laughs> all right movie with Cameron Diaz and Jim Carrey.
0: And but that's Aloy's favorite. Hey, man. I mean, you know, he probably saw it when he was a young whippersnapper. And, uh, you know, he just fell in love with that old Cam Diaz. Uh, and we got to mention to uh, points bet pick of the week. Uh, it's going to be Michael Walker under K's tomorrow. I bet mm. Rich Hill under K's tonight. Today it was under three and a half. That was plus money as well. And it cashed. Herb, uh, Michael Easily. Walker, uh, I'm assuming the line will be set around four and a half, maybe three and a half um, in his last two games, three strikeouts, two strikeouts when he fa- faced off against uh, Tampa back in April 22nd, three strikeouts. He's had three performances where he's had five or, or four or more Ks, uh, but he's not a guy that's going to get up to like six or seven. Uh, and you could just see what the White Sox today. They're going to put a lot of balls into play, uh, even if they're not hardly hit. But uh, yeah, we got some
1: mask fans in the comments, I guess. I mean, if that's your fa- I mean, it's not a bad movie. I'm just saying it's not. It should never be anybody's favorite movie. If you go to Jim Carrey right now, he'd be like, "No, that's like the worst movie I've ever done. Even worse than Cable Guy."
0: I've I've never seen Cable Guy. Oh. I haven't been able to get through. Uh, what's the one where he's he's the TV character, the Truman Show? Oh, Truman Show. Yeah,
1: I haven't been it's, able to get through that one. It's it's pretty good. I enjoyed yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, you know what his, I like? that uh, like... one is uh, the the. Uh, Eternal, Spot, uh, Eternal Spotlight of the... No, Eternal Sunshine yeah, it, it, of the Spotless Mind.
0: Yeah, that one looks good. Um, oh, it, it looks really also good. very
1: sad. Uh, I haven't it, seen that one. It is. And uh, great acting by him. And I want to say Rachel Vice, but it's not. It's the other English lady. Uh, Rachel McPherson? No, I got to look up her name. Uh, she's always, Kate Winslet. Yeah, she's always naked in movies. Oh, good for her. It is Kate um, Winslet.
0: Uh, Bruce Almighty was decent. Um, i never seen Ace Ventura. I really haven't seen a ton of uh, of, of Jim Carrey, so I don't think we should go deep on Jim Carrey. I did see someone mention Yes Man, uh, Yes Man, decent flick. I don't know what that is. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. Come on, I, he, he he sings Third Eye Blind to somebody who wants to kill oh, himself.
1: Mm, what a great, what a great song! I love Jumper,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, great all album, right. uh, 3EB, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Red Sox and White Sox. socks are now four in uh, one against the Red Sox this year. I'm, I'm pretty shocked uh, by that. And also blank name saying uh Sean's right. Uh, just found an article saying that the mask is his favorite movie. Hello. I was there at the score when he said it live on air, cutting up the tape. People come on. I- I've been living it like Les Scropstein. I was there when Eloy said the mask was his favorite movie. I mean, it's real
1: terrible. Um, What was it during like <laughs> hit and run or something like that? No, you're just cutting was, up tape during uh, like was, actualities.
0: I, I, for some reason, of course, I remember it was after actualities. Um, it was during Parkins and Spiegel, but I think at that time it was probably uh Spiegel or uh, it was Parkins and Mac. It was after the Thanks Cubs home run. It was the day after he hit the Thanks Cubs home run. They put him on the score, and then he was talking to Mack and Parkins, and that's when he was like, oh, yeah, The Mask. I love it. It's my favorite movie. Uh, and you know <laughs> you know how me and Tanny get with, with certain things that White Sox players say. And you kid- uh, so, continue
1: yeah. playing it every
0: time. Exactly. It works. Um, yes, it does work. And I, very interesting, real quick, to to hear from Vinnie Duber, talk about Johan Mankata that way. Um, just because Vinny is usually pretty – you know he's he's not and I wouldn't even say that was inflammatory I mean he's just telling the truth um but even just for him to be that kind of you know like yes he is struggling uh Vinny is usually our eternal optimist uh kind of you know surprising to hear Vinny talk like that no
1: no I mean Vinny has eyes Vinny can see Vinny does have eyes that's true yeah he has. he can (laughs) see the truth right there I mean when you saw Jose Abreu struggling you saw the numbers on the other side, it's like he's hitting the ball hard. He's still doing things that are the correct uh, pr- approach. The results not or, or might not be good. You anybody could see that Johan Mankata is absolutely lost. His thing is not to strike out as many times as he did, even though he did in uh, two thousand eighteen. He led the league, I believe, in strikeouts. But he's reverted back to that guy where he's not taking pitches well. He's not seeing the ball deep. You said the, uh, in the pregame. It was very surprising to hit a home run off a 99-mile-per-hour pitch because that's not his game. Usually a little slower uh, speed, uh, off-speed pitch that is uh, ill located. He'll crush. He's not doing that this year. He's just off totally. And, yes, I saw the people like, he's still a top five for, for third baseman. Yeah. Like, when he does play at the, at the at the peak of his powers, yes, I believe so. That's why it's so disappointing right now to see Yohan Mankata not be the guy. I don't know what's going on. It's weird. It's yeah. odd. I don't think that he is this guy. If I did, I would think they should chip him off to somewhere else. I have hope that I want him to sit down tomorrow. Just chill out. Have a day off. Get your mind right. So that'd be two days off because the White Sox have an automatic Friday off. And then before they start the Cubs series. So just get your mind right. You're in a slump. There's no, re- reason, no reason to Put yourself in more of a slump with Michael Walker out there, and he might provide all the four strikers that Michael Walker needs to go over on your bet right there, Sean. So, yeah, have a good day off. Get your mind right. Get cleared up. Whatever you need to do, But because 400 on base plus slugging, no, that's not Yoan Mankata. 400 on base is Yoan Mankata, and he's not near that. He's not even in that neighborhood. Well, and he's like, I mean, even in the last at bat he has, he's swinging out of his
0: helmet. I mean, it's like he's he's trying and it's just, you know, try and try as he he must. Like, it's just it's not coming through. And blank name says he made a couple great defensive plays tonight. And that's why I think he's it might not be injury. I think he's just like in his damn head. I I don't know if Joanna's a player that gets like this, but. I mean, it just feels very much in his head. It feels like he's pressing and, and, you know, he has uh, two nice nights. And then it just feels like, all right, well, now I got to do this every night or something like that. I mean, like this is just it's it's lost out there. I mean, honestly, it it doesn't feel like the same patient. You on Moncada, you're not seeing the walks that you that you saw back in twenty twenty one. I mean, it's just a a completely different guy to the point where it has to go up because he's been so bad. (laughs) Like it's only up from here.
1: Yeah, he's been horrible. His on base percentage, I think, is one seventy one. That's not Yoan Moncada. Not even, in any sl- struggling year. He's still a guy who gets on base via the walk. This year, he's not doing it, and you could tell. Like easy pitches, he's missing balls right in the zone. And the Tanner Houck, he made sweet love to him uh, to steal a uh, <laughs> a line from Chris Tannehill. He made sweet love to him in that strikeout there, but. I just, I twice actually, um, I just don't know what's going on with him. I hope whatever is ailing him, he just gets out and just enjoys life. Start playing your music again. Do that as your walk-up sound. Have a great time. You made a banger of a a song. Have a great time with that. Enjoy life. It seems like he's not having a fun time at bat, and that's not Yoan Mankata's game. The glove always plays, always. That hardly takes a slump.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why I don't think there's any need to move him to second base and then have Jake Berger play third base. Yon Mankata is very comfortable at third base. So I I don't think that there's a reason uh to to pull him away from third base. It just you, you gotta hope he starts hitting. Uh and and that's the thing. Hopefully he just starts, you know, finding a little bit more comfortability In the box, hopefully he's able to draw some more walks and then he's able to, you know, start attacking. And you know, Danny Murray saying the walk seems like a whole team wide issue. No one is taking walks. That's absolutely true, uh, Danny. And let's play a fun game, Herb, uh, because this is now Uh the 10th game where the White Sox had five hits or less. And you mentioned that or I think Vinny did. uh, You know, it was like they they had five hits, but they still won the game. uh, And that's all that matters, which is true. But, you know, they've now had 10 games where they've had five hits or less. Do you want to guess their record?
1: Ten games, five hits or less. I would say the White Sox, and knowing the White Sox, I'll just go right down the middle. I'll say actually four and six, two and eight. Okay, um, so, that, so that seems more that yeah. seems more like major league average.
0: So yeah, definitely around major league average, uh, but it's still—I mean, it's—it's it's su- it's surprising that they've even won two of those games, uh, and it feels like the—you know—surprising that there's been uh, at least ten of those. Uh, this is also the twenty-sixth game uh, where they've had two walks or less. So just—just uh, just more struggles for the team uh, wide. It, again, it is team wide. It's—it's Yoan Moncada, it's, it's Yasmani Grandal, it's Adam Engel, it's Josh Harrison, it's Leary Garcia, it's Reese McGuire. Uh, they're really the only people that you can't say. Are struggling at this point. Tim Anderson and feels like Jose Abreu's gotten out of it. Jake Berger yeah.
1: too. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jose Abreu had two walks, had that uh, double to start off the scoring in the fifth inning. So yeah, I think he's starting to inject a little bit more uh, flavor into the offense by taking the free passes. I don't think many White Sox are allowing pitchers to give him free passes. I know Moncada's not. It seems like he's 0-2 every single damn pit time. And then just taking strike three so many times, it reminds me of 2018 where he had the like the most uh, called third strikes in the league and also the most strikeouts in the game with over 200. Um, yeah, this team needs to just be patient. Let the ball come to them. Let the action come to them. Unless you're Tim Anderson, he can do whatever the fuck he wants because his track record shows that he's an aggressive hitter and it works for him. Josh Harrison, stop doing that.
0: Yeah, Andrew be- Vaughn,
1: you could do whatever you want because you're, you're actually hitting the ball really hard. I'm glad. need to stay up to that two spot, two, three, four spot uh, for Andrew Vaughn for the rest of the season because I think that's where he does the most damage. Not that second uh, leadoff hitter garbage, but I think Jose Abreu is leading the team to more of an offensive uh, explosion with his walks and same thing with Timmy, just getting on base in general. I'd love to see uh, more walks
0: from Andrew Vaughn. I, I think I feel a little bit more comfortable in him uh, coming into his own once we start seeing more walks. But overall, I think he's, he's been fine. And 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 still, you know, uh, it wasn't the greatest offensive performance for the Sox. Again, only two hard hit balls uh, off Rich Hill. Uh, but one of them mattered. And that's all that matters. It was the three run homer from uh, Jake Berger. Uh, real You're quick, right let's...
1: about uh, uh, Andrew Vaughn. I think he's only got what? Six it's walks this many. year? Yeah. Ugh. In twenty-seven games, yeah, that's you got to see more pitches. You got to see more. I mean, he's on base is three forty-seven, so it's a uh, it's a decent on base. But if you see more walks, I think you as a player, as Jose Abreu has shown you, you see better pitches eventually because the pitchers know that you're not just to be out there flailing for anything they throw up there. And Fred's asking, I wonder what Moncada's numbers have been post-extension. He signed that right
0: before the 2020 season. So from 2020 to 2022, 209 games, not including tonight, 42 doubles, 22 home runs, 89 RBIs, a batting average of 247, an OBP of 250, a slugging of 396, an OPS of 746, and an OPS plus of 106. You say OBP of two? No. Uh, okay. batting average of 247, OBP of 350, 350 okay. slugging 396, OPS 746, OPS plus uh 106. So he's been an above average hitter, and he's you know, glove wise has, has been fantastic. So, uh, you know, the, the hitting has been disappointing. I, I think that that's why you see so much vitriol towards the on Moncada, uh, whether it be you know. People complaining that you know walks aren't that important. He needs to see more hits and, and and doubles. At this point, he's not getting on base in any fashion. So something needs to happen. Some improvement uh, needs to happen for Juan Moncada. All right, let's go to uh, Lucas Giolito real quick. Let's talk about his night. Uh, he said that he really couldn't find his fastball. Uh, that shows in the classic stats that we usually go to. Uh, six innings pitch for Giolito today, one. Earn, run, five hits allowed, four walks, and seven Ks. Rich Hill, five innings pitch, three runs, two hits, one walk allowed, and one K. Let's go to Lucas's pitch mix uh, because it kind of shows you – the uh, lack of control he had with his four-seam fastball. The Mm -hmm. stat we love is called strikes plus whiffs, and you can see it's at 23% on Mm -hmm. his four-seam fastball. Only four called strikes on 43 pitches from Lucas Giolito. Just wasn't able to find the zone, but still a good performance tonight, and that was mainly because of his slider. 69% whiff rate. Nice. On his slider, nine whiffs on 13 swings. That is a dominant slider. Really great to see from Lucas Giolito. 41% called strike plus whiff percent on his slider. Major league average is 27%. On his changeup, he had a called strike plus whiff percentage of 36%. So if you're wondering, if he doesn't have his fastball, can he beat an above average hitting team with just two pitches that's not his fastball? Uh, The answer is yes. He looked phenomenal with just those two
1: pitches tonight. Great stuff from Lucas Giolito. And I said, this is the testament of a great pitcher when you don't have your stuff. And I don't know how I would grade his stuff today. Like he knew, firstly, he couldn't find the fastball. And he knew if he did find the fastball that the Boston Red Sox hitters would attack it. We saw that high hit by, I think it was Enrique Hernandez yeah. who mm-hmm. hit the ball like head high. So a fastball, 94 miles per hour, and he rocketed it to left field. So, yes. He knew that Boston's a fastball-hitting team, and he didn't have his premium fastball. At least they were just following it off. And I saw one at bat versus J.D. Martinez, and he was just like, nah, 3-2, <laughs> nah. I'm just going to see if he chases it. I'm going to pretty much dirt it. If he chases he chases If he does it, cool. I'll just walk him. And that's what a smart pitcher does. He understands who's going against him. And J.D. Martinez was having an awesome day. He was just rocking the ball all day long. And Lucas was getting hit hard all day long, like I said with Vinny. In the first four innings, he led on two base runners or more in each of those innings, only giving up that one run on the Verdugo opposite field, 71 miles per hour exit velocity, single to left field. That is doing the best you can with the worst pitching that you have or the, the subpar pitching that you have. That's what a champion pitcher does. That's what a Cy Young pitcher does. He lowered his ERA from 284 to 263 with terrible – not terrible, just mediocre stuff. Yeah. The fast If the fastball's not working, that is really hard to go through six innings and strike out seven. He walked four people because he didn't have it. That is a a testament of a guy that knows how to pitch and to the team he's pitching. He's studied – the Red Sox, and he wondered, like, how do I get out of this? And remember, last year's start early in the morning on Patriots Day, gave up seven earned runs, and he probably had that in the back of his head. It's like, these some bitches got to me last year. I'm not going to let it happen this year, even though they're Boston Red Sox on the basis all the time. Yeah, it was a great job working out of uh, jams. And you mentioned
0: uh, you weren't sure like what to rate his stuff. I, I think I'd probably put it around a B. I think I gave Dylan stuff like a C plus. It was probably like a C minus a D plus yesterday. Yeah, Giolito, the fact that he had his slider and his changeup up on, uh, he was still able to make it work. So I'd
1: still give him around a B minus and a C plus for stuff. Tonight. I mean, he made other people look silly. I think Devers in the first inning with that mm-hmm. high fastball strikeout was great. And then a slider inside, I forgot who it was. I think it was to Verdugo that made him look silly also. So, yes, he had a couple of times where his stuff, like the slider and the changeup were working, but no one was like checking for his fastball, except for that Devers pitch right there. That's just what and we keep on getting reintroduced to the actual ace of this staff. We talk about Michael Kopeck and his ERA is great. And he pitched the best start in White Sox 2022 on Sunday versus the Yankees, but consistently we see Lucas Leo be the guy,
0: right? And and I mean again, like it's probably more consistent. Giolito will have his fastball, and if he has all three of those pitches, you're going to get more consistency out of those three pitches than you'll get out of consistency out of Kopech's fastball, slider, uh, and curve. All right, we're we're about here ready to wrap it up here. I uh, just want to note. Aaron Bummer looked good in relief today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he faced two batters. Well, I guess he faced three batters. Uh, did allow one to get on with a hit. But for the most part, Aaron Bummer looked like Aaron Bummer. Kendall Graveman looked
1: eh, okay, but he got the job oh, done. I forgot uh, to ask Vinny about him shaving. Oh yeah, he did clean, shave. He looked a little weird. Kendall Graveman looked really uh, weird. Joe Kelly uh, got two
0: strikeouts, looked great. And then left with a uh, hamstring. We'll know more in the morning. And Liam Hendricks got a four out saved. And for the most part, looked like Liam Hendricks. Uh, any final thoughts
1: here, Herb before we wrap this up and we uh, do it again tomorrow at seven, 10. I like Joe Kelly messing with timing, but it looked like the messing with timing on the strikeout kind of messed him up. And uh, he had some tweak in his uh, hamstring. This White Sox and this soft tissue things, especially the hamstring, is getting a little worrisome. I don't know what they're doing with the training staff. They already fired fired Alan Thomas last year. Whatever they're doing, do the opposite because too many of these soft tissue injuries for the White Sox coming up this year. White Sox are four and a half games back. Minnesota
0: lost today. Minnesota is eight and two in their last ten. Minnesota. Uh, they, twins. They, they lost against the Detroit Tigers today. Uh, They're 27 and 17. Sox improved to 22 and 21. They are four and a half games back up. Minnesota Sox are six and four in their last ten and have won one straight. It is uh, not Lucas Giolito tomorrow. It is Dallas Keuchel. Yes, it is. Dallas Keuchel versus Michael Walker tomorrow, 7, 10 p.m. Sox versus Sox again. We will see if the White Sox can improve to 5-1 and one tomorrow against the Boston Red Sox. Thank you, Jason, for hanging out. Thank you, GDM17, for hanging out. Thank you, Blank Name, for hanging out. Eric, for hanging out. Our guy Eli was in here earlier. Shout out to Vinny for joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. You can follow Vinny Duber on Twitter, at Vinny Duber, and read his work on uh, all chgo.com. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow Herb Lawrence on Twitter at AcknerWall23. He is the CHGO community leader. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Follow Bye, the Fred. show on Twitter by Fred. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. And we were produced today by our good old producer, Stephen Nicholas. That will do it for today's show. We will join you tomorrow for a pregame of Keiko versus Waka, and we will also be doing a postgame for you as well. Saturday and Sunday, we'll have pre and post for Cubs-White Sox with an off day on Friday. It should be fun, and we'll see if the White Sox can take another series from the Red Sox tomorrow. For Herb Lawrence, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And go Sox. And also thank you Fleetwood Mac for your 1979 album Tusk. I heard Jason and Steve mentioning Fleetwood Mac. Uh, obviously, they forgot to mention Tusk, but uh, I'll do it here uh, for them right now. Go Sox.